Hi, and welcome to the Calm Birth Conversation podcast. This is Karen McClay, and I will be having lots of wonderful conversations with experts and parents around pregnancy, birth, and parenting, with the aim to help you to make informed choices and decisions around your own journey into parenthood. This podcast is brought to you by Calm Birth, Australia's leading childbirth education program. So hi and, and welcome, Nicole, to our podcast. Um, thank you so much thank for you. coming and talking to us today all about COPE and what your organisation does and the amazing work that it, that it does. So I thought what we would do to start off is, is perhaps get you to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about your background and where you've come um, from and what's brought you into this space of perinatal mental health. Okay, um, so my name's Nicole Hyde and I, my background, I'm a doctor of psychology, specialising in clinical psychology, particularly perinatal mental health. And um, so I've worked um, prior to starting COPE in 2013, I was the deputy CEO at Beyond Blue. I was there for 13 and a half years and managing the National Perinatal Depression Initiative, which is a big $85 million program looking for the first time at doing screening across Australia, which, um, which was very exciting. Prior to that, I actually worked in marketing and advertising research and specialising in um, educating and um, marketing around um, antidepressants, the health of professionals and um, other medications as well. So that was really interesting to learn more and more about how, we, um, how you get your message across. And that was obviously very important with the work at Beyond Blue, where I also, in addition to the um, perinatal area, I managed all the community awareness campaigns um, and educating people about depression because no one really talked about it back then when we when we started. And I started coping, as I mentioned, in 2013, really because I could see there was a need for a dedicated focus on perinatal mental health um, because there is still um, low awareness around mental health um, in the perinatal period. There's a whole lot of stigma. It's very common for signs to be misattributed to just being part of pregnancy or part of having a baby. So we don't know that often symptoms don't get identified um, or detected early. And there's also very high expectations that having a baby is going to be such a wonderful experience. And so when someone might be struggling to cope, there's often a tendency to deny the symptoms and hope that the symptoms will go away on their own. And we know from our own research that 74% of women don't seek help until they reach crisis points. Mm. So it's really important that we uh, do things and look at national reform and policy around universal routine screening to identify those who are at risk as well as those who might be experiencing symptoms during their pregnancy or their first year of parenthood. Um, and making sure they have access to evidence-based quality treatments and services which will be provided in the community. Uh, because we know that too often so that is not accessed and so things progressively get worse. Um, and this is really important when we consider that, you know, the leading cause of maternal death is suicide. Mm. And largely this is because these conditions are not being identified or treated early enough and and really starting COPE I suppose gave it a, us an opportunity to put that dedicated focus on mental health in at this time and emotional health but also take a broader focus so not just focusing on mental illness um, in pregnancy in the postnatal period but also the broader range of emotional and mental health challenges that people face so things like you know having problems conceiving and the impacts that that can have on relationships and emotional health and finances and mental health 
um, pregnancy loss, coping with pregnancy loss um, and stillbirth and infant death. There, there are other key challenges that people might face. Um, dealing with expectations around pregnancy, managing uh, your workplace negotiations, managing relationships with family and friends, managing your relationship with your partner and the changes. And then of course birth, preparing for birth, which is which is your area, but also what about when things don't go to plan at birth and you know, birth trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder. And then of course in the postnatal period, there's a whole myriad of adjustments um, and challenges that people face, um, including emotional and mental health problems, but all these other challenges can really contribute to it. So being able to really take a broader focus and focus on all of those challenges which we know increase the risk of mental health problems um, is really part of our much broader remit, but focuses particularly on um, preconception, pregnancy, birth, and the first years following birth of a baby. Yeah. Okay. That, that sounds wonderful. So maybe we should talk and touch on a little bit about perinatal mental health and what we're actually talking about there. So what is perinatal mental health and, and what spectrum or I guess time frame would, would that cover? And I guess what, what do you see as the main contributing factors to that, which I know is mm. probably a really big question. Um, but in your experience, what, what things do you find contribute to the perinatal mental health of, mm. of women? And they're partners now, really, isn't it? Also, really Absolutely, cool. absolutely. Um, so when we talk about perinatal mental health, it's really around the range of mental health conditions that can occur during the perinatal period. So technically, that is the period from conception right up through to um, the baby's first year. So that's what we um, generally in the, in the national guidelines talk about as the perinatal period. Um, of course, uh, anxiety and things can develop much earlier than that. If you have pre-existing pregnancy loss or have problems with infertility, you can go into pregnancy with a, a lot of distress and um, stress going in there. Um, there's also other things that we know increase a person's likelihood of developing a mental health problem at this time. So things like having a previous history of mental health problems. So if you've had anxiety or depression in the past, for example, your likelihood of relapsing at this time is much greater. Um, if you have an existing other psychiatric mental health condition like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, obviously there needs to be careful treatment and management during the pregnancy and the postnatal period. Um, other risk factors like not having a supportive relationship or access to a good support network, there are other risk factors. Having a history of um, abuse that might be sexual abuse or physical abuse um, are also risk factors. Not having a strong relationship with your own mother is a, a major maternal risk factor. Because, of course, when you're having your first birth baby, there's no reference point. This is the first time you're going through this. So it's a natural thing to think back on your own experience in your own childhood and think about what your, your own mothering experience was with your own mother. And if that was a traumatic or a grief-stricken experience, that can obviously bring up a lot of distress at this time. Mm. Um, having family violence, drug and alcohol abuse, there are other risk factors. And so because we know that these are the factors that place people at greater risk, this is why screening includes asking people about those risk factors, because it really can give us a profile of whether this person is more likely to develop a mental health problem at this time. 
So um, looking at the risk factors is very important, as well as that looking at the symptoms. So whether someone is experiencing the most common mental health conditions, which are anxiety and depression, we know that up to one in five women will experience anxiety during pregnancy and in the postnatal period. And this is clinical anxiety. We're not just talking about, you know, being a bit anxious before doing a presentation or this is clinical anxiety that is actually impacting on their ability to function from day to day. Mm. And then we also know that up to one in 10 women will experience depression in pregnancy. And then this will increase to one in seven in the postnatal period. So when you're thinking about, you know, the group of women that you might treat or the number of people in your mother's group or your antenatal class, that's a lot of people around the circle um, or around that group who are likely to be impacted. So it's really, really important that um, we are able to identify and be aware of the early signs and symptoms um, and know where to get quality help and treatment early. And of course, part of that getting help early is also about screening and early identification. Yeah. Okay. So, and I guess you made a really um, good point there around anxiety, um, that this is for every woman and their partner, an enormous change in their life becoming, going from just being a couple to now becoming parents and a family. And there's always anxiety, an element of anxiety around that, isn't that? But what you're talking about is, is, as you said, a clinical anxiety where it's 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 gone to a point where where you're not able to function with your normal everyday life and i think that that's an important point is that it's okay to be anxious at times mm -hmm. but it's important that that anxiety is not affecting and impacting the quality of your life um, absolutely so these conditions can be very debilitating and impact on your ability to you know get through the day if you think that you're already experiencing some level of anxiety and then you throw in there um you know, a birth experience that didn't go to plan or some sleep deprivation or some problems with breastfeeding and there's a stress that often comes with that and the disappointment that can come with that. Um, plus, uh, just, you know, also having high expectations and they're not being met. Um, if you put all these factors together, um, you might have a bit of gender disappointment in there as well. You know, there's just so many things that make this such a challenging time. And it's the combination of factors that can really um, just make this um, someone particularly more vulnerable at this time and, um, and, make, and really getting the help and support early. And it's very common that we keep on thinking, oh, it's going to get better this is all just part of having a baby. This is just part of pregnancy. So as a result, people just keep on hoping things will get better on their own. Um, and unfortunately, too commonly, health professionals often have the same attitude. So, well, what did you expect? You've had a baby. Um, of course, there's going to be adjustments. Um, and that really undermines the woman's confidence as well and the and man's confidence um, in, you know, their ability to cope particularly at a time when they're, you know, they were thinking and hoping and really trying to prove themselves often to themselves as a new parent um, and to others that they've got this um, when in fact they're actually in need of support. Yeah, and our culture does does create very high expectations, doesn't it? Um, particularly in that postnatal period around babies, even just that common thing, that common question that couples get asked: "So, is your baby sleeping through the night yet?" And you know, and you know, is it a settled baby? Or they go to their mother's group, and their mother's their baby's being all unsettled, but everyone else's seems to be absolutely fine. Or they're looking at social media, and everyone on social media is in this happy postnatal bubble. Um, there's there's really high expectations set for parents, isn't there? 
for yes um, and, yeah. and i think um you know another thing is when because you have no reference point when you're when you're um deciding to have a family or you might be pregnant um you're trying to envisage what life is going to be like and what you're going to be like you're experiencing a change in identity a change in your lifestyle your priorities are changing so these are all things that we talk about on the on the um in cope is um being aware of these changes and and how you're forming your expectations because you're going to take information from outside, out there, to inform what your expectations of your experience are going to be like. And often they are beautiful marketing images, they're um, the beautiful Instagram images, the high profile influences on Instagram. So you're taking that information in and it's forming your expectations. But unfortunately, it's really important that we understand that often those expectations are not actually based in reality. It's also true that, you know, you can have, um, you know, a very different experience to, you know, you might have a very straightforward experience. You might have a very difficult experience in terms of you might have a baby, for example, with colic and reflux and um, you've never experienced anything like that. No one told you about that and you haven't had any sleep for a long time. Uh, understanding that um, this is not your fault and it's not a reflection of you as a parent is also really, really important and um, that it's okay to ask for help. Some people will have a more difficult journey into parenthood. Some people have a lot more difficulty at the very beginning, even conceiving a baby. Some people have difficult pregnancies. Some people will have a difficult birth. Some people will have a very unsettled baby or other health issues um, or other family and relationship issues. So it's never going to be smooth sailing all the time at every stage. And I think as a society, we need to acknowledge that and talk about the fact that there will be challenges but talking about what those challenges are is one way of raising awareness and then just letting people know that they're not alone when things might not be going to plan um, and that there is help and support available. Because often, you know, we're basing, thinking I'm the only one who's going through this. Everyone else seems to be able to cope. But in fact, it's not the case at all. It just feels like that because people are often um, just not exposed to or seeing the realities of becoming a parent. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree to you, agree with you with that. And in fact, the entire parenting journey is, is, you know, there's lots of twists and turns to it and it's, and it's filled with amazing times, but it's also filled with a lot of, a lot of tough times. And I think at times you, I would almost say that you become, you're more challenged at times than not really, because this is a, one of the only jobs that you do where you learn on site really and you know yeah. you, you and and each child is so completely different isn't it nicole and and they bring their own little personalities so tell us a bit about cope then what what is available for um couples um with cope what what resources have you put out and i guess too what are your key What's your key advice in in um helping to create those expectations and prevent any possibility of developing those anxiety and depression disorders? Mm. So um, COPE is really, if you visit our website at cope.org.au, it's really a one-stop shop around all the different range of challenges that can happen at each stage of the journey to becoming a, pregnant, uh, a parent, from preconception, managing infertility, perinatal loss through pregnancy, birth and the postnatal period. Um, so it's, it's a really great place to go for information about those range of topics all in one place. And we cover as well as, as the challenges, obviously the range of mental health conditions that can occur. And all information on the COPE website is underpinned by the Australian Clinical Practice Guideline, which COPE has developed for Australia and for the, clinical, um, for the Commonwealth Government. And that really informs best practice. 
not only for um, expectant and new parents, but also for clinically for health professionals. So what medications are safe to use in pregnancy? What medications are safe to use during breastfeeding? What are the evidence-based treatments for the whole range of mental health problems that can occur? So that everything's very importantly underpinned by the national guidelines. We then have a great resource for expectant and new parents that they can sign up to called the Ready to Cope Guide. So this is free um, weekly fortnightly information that you receive um, any time from six weeks into your pregnancy right through to the end of your child's first year of life. So right through to 12 months postpartum. And it's a way of really getting bite-sized information that's really timely and relevant to where you are in your journey towards becoming a parent. Um, and it covers all the range of challenges and just makes parents really feel like, understand that they're really not alone, that they're the only ones. Things to be aware of, things that people say, I wish someone told me about this, no one told me. Um, no one's talking about it. Um, and really importantly, so we've done some evaluation. We've had around uh, 20,000 people sign up to Ready to Cope now. And we've found by uh, doing some research at the end of that experience, um, not only did people say that they felt more cared and supported for um, throughout their parenting journey and that they were more aware of what to expect, but importantly of those who did struggle, um, uh, a significant proportion, like around 85% said, that Ready to Cope played a really important role in them identifying symptoms and getting help early. So, you know, knowledge is power here. Mm. And um, so really having access to that really bite-sized information. We have Ready to Cope for expecting to new mums and dads. So that information is tweaked and very different for the different audiences. Um, and we have also adapted it for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women. And we've just developed it in the first five languages. So that's now available in a range of languages also. Um, so that's a really important resource I'd recommend that everyone signs up to. Um, and then also um, we have, uh, we're just about to release our new eCOPE directory. So this is an online directory where you can find access to community support organisations in the community for expected to new parents, but also where would I go if I was struggling? Who in my community or what services are available um, for women who and men who might be struggling in the perinatal period? So at the moment, people can go to their GP and really hope for the best. And that just depends on how interested your GP is in mental health or where they might refer you. But this is a really specialist context. As, as we've discussed, there's a whole range of unique challenges unique factors to this context which need to be understood and taken into account as part of any treatment and management plan. So the eCOPE directory has really sourced and scoped those experts, um, people with expertise and services with expertise in the community. So you can go onto the COPE website and if you're looking for help, find a service next to you via your postcode um, that really has specialist services in perinatal mental health. Yeah. So you know you can always get help. Yeah, that, that's so fantastic um, because, as you said, it is such a, a unique space um, to be working in. And it's like anything else, you know, if we go, if we're looking for, a, uh, if we've got a sports injury or we're looking for women's health um, physios, we'll go to a, a women's health physio, we'll go to a sports physio. So it's a really important to be to be reaching out to the people that are specialising in this this particular area. Now, Nicole, with Cope, it's not just for for parents, is it? It's you've also been doing an enormous amount of work um, for health 
um, for caregivers and health professionals so that we're able to support couples going through this journey as well. What are those um, support systems that you've set up and, and resources that health professionals can actually access to be able yep. to provide that support to, to the women they're caring for? Yep. Well, first of all, of course, we have the National Clinical Guidelines, which we'd recommend every health professional to have access to, to really guide best practice. And you can sign up to our health professional register, receive an electronic copy of the guidelines, and then um, you can also sign up to receive uh, newsletters with new updates and developments. So that's a, um, a great resource for health professionals to sign up to. Um, we also have uh, free accredited online training programs for health professionals. We have a basic skills in perinatal mental health program, which is accredited for the, the Australian College of Midwives for 10 hours, for example, of CPD. Um, and the Australian College of Mental Health Nurses and all other colleges also accept accreditation for that course. So that is free and funded by the Commonwealth Government. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have um, a couple of um, extra modules, um, courses on the, on the website as well around perinatal loss if people want to gain more knowledge and expertise in those areas. Um, for health professionals, we also, of course, have um, the directory if people are providing mental health services or need to find a service. And that was one of the major reasons that we developed the directory. Um, so once a woman has been screened, it's best practice that every uh, expectant and new mother is screened to identify her risk and the, the presence of mental health problems. And uh, here we've developed an electronic digital screening platform called iCOPE which we're hoping to roll out across every public maternity hospital in Australia very soon. Um, and, and straight after screening, of course, is where do I refer that person? Um, so this is where the directory is so important. Uh, rolling out the screening across a number of public hospitals already has been very successful. It enables us to um, women to be screened in um, up to 12 languages at the moment. Um, critically, women actually get a report back of their own. Um, going through any risk factors and whether they indicating whether they are likely to be experiencing anxiety and depression and impo importantly health professionals also have a guided clinical report indicating is this woman at risk um, what is her likelihood of anxiety and depression and what do I do next in terms of next steps so we've been rolling out iCOPE now across public sectors but also private sectors like um, GP and obstetric cl clinics because we know that um, there are Medicare rebates for um, screening and that those uh, they're not being properly conducted generally. Often there are people are saying if you had depression in the past and that's the screen, which is absolutely wouldn't meet the criteria. Mm. So the digital screening is a really effective way to make sure you're doing screening in line with the requirements for MBS rebates, but also, of course, in line with the clinical guidelines as well. So we really have that whole range of education. So we'd encourage health professionals to making sure that they have access to the COPE guidelines. They are providing women with access and partners with access to the Ready to Cope guide. And here we have a series of posters and postcards and resources that you can disseminate through your healthcare setting. We then have the digital screening to identify uh, people early. And then the final path is the referral pathways through the ECOPE directory. So um, there's a whole number, a whole number of uh, resources there that uh, people can sign up to and access all uh, free of charge from the website and um, the digital screening is on a cost recovery basis. 
Yeah. So that sounds wonderful. So really it's, it's a one-stop shop, isn't it? It's, it's very much there for, for parents to be able to access and, and just get, um, I guess a, a snapshot of what life, life can look like as parents and, um, ways to, to manage their expectations and maybe ways to also, um, you know, mitigate against, um, developing any anxiety and depression issues um, in their pregnancy and to, and to make the most, most of that. Um, so I guess really to, to sort of sum up, Nicole, what do you think, if you were to speak to a couple right now who are, who are not long pregnant, what would be your, your biggest advice to them in preparing for this time and to be able to make the most and really embrace this time um, of moving into, into, into parenthood? Yeah, so look, I think um, really important is to uh, be as aware and informed as you can and making sure that the quality of the information that you're reading is good. There's a lot of people giving advice out there. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of people selling stuff out there um, to, um, to, and it can be quite an overwhelming market and it can leave expected new parents feeling quite overwhelmed. So really important is to make sure you're getting your um, information from a quality source. That would be the first thing. Um, and, you know, monitoring the, the volume of information because that in itself can become overwhelming. Um, I'd really encourage people to sign up to the Ready to Cope Guide because then you know you're getting the, the information that's timely and relevant and underpinned by best practice. Um, and it really just provides you with um, that reality check and things that you can do to prepare, um, but keeping things in perspective as well and nurturing yourself um, and just being aware of your options and um, always just really reinforcing. Um, there's only so much you can control um, and it's really important to be aware of your expectations and what you're taking in and what pressure you might be putting on yourself as a result of those expectations. Um, so really, uh, knowledge is insight and insight is power when it comes to managing your emotional and mental health at this time that we know is the most vulnerable time. It's the most likely time in a woman's life that she's going to develop a mental health problem or relapse from a mental health problem. And we know that fathers are also at great risk, particularly if the woman is experiencing a mental health problem. So the best thing that we can do is inform and educate ourselves, make sure we've got access to good quality resources and referral pathways should we need them. And if we do need help is to, to reach out and get that help. Don't just hope it'll go away on its own and don't feel ashamed or don't feel like I should be able to do this, particularly for first-time parents. And even if it's a second-time parent um, or third-time parent, every baby, as you said, can be different. Every experience can be quite different. Um, so getting help early is the best thing that you can do for yourselves and, of course, for your family. So don't be afraid to reach out early. Yeah, and prevention prevention is really the ultimate goal of cope, isn't it? So to to really help couples to prevent that and to go on to to really enjoy and embrace this experience. And you know, any experience that we have where where I I say we we go into our challenge zone out of that comfort zone, we do have the opportunity to really rise to that challenge and 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 really see it as an empowering experience. And even though there's times when it's really tough, but it's like what you said. We really believe um, that you know knowledge, knowledge is a great antidote to fear and anxiety, um, but it's also the precursor to any experience. Like if if you walk into an experience, um, really not having any set expectations that are realistic, um, not doing that that 
research ahead of time, that um, creating those ideas, gathering that knowledge, then that experience is not going to be anywhere near as fulfilling as what it would have been um, had you had you gotten yourself prepared and and ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. And just other key messages. One I would definitely always remind parents is that um, also, no matter how aware and informed you might be, that things things can happen along the journey that um, you, you might not be in control of. And it's really important to be getting those messages to, to A, let you know that you're not alone in this experience. Other people go through it. There are services there to help you. And the reason that they're there is because other people also go through this experience. And very importantly, whatever happens, it's never your fault. So really encouraging that because that can really also, of course, play havoc on our, our confidence and our emotional and mental health um, if we had these expectations that haven't been met. But then, of course, we, um, we judge ourselves harshly for them. Um, and because our expectations were high, we can often um, feel like we've failed, where we haven't actually failed as at all. We've learnt, we've grown, um, and by getting support, we can get back on track. But um, often the culture that we live in and the expectations we can go into parenting with um, can make us feel like we're failing when, in fact, it's not the case at all. No, there's no failure here at all ever. Um, I, I actually, the, my, one of my daughter's teachers once said that the word fail is an acronym for first attempt in learning. So it's, it's really about the fact that, you know, that this is okay. We're, we're no one's perfect. Everyone does, um, you know, make, make mistakes along the way or, or feel that, that, that they're not doing the right thing. But as you said, reaching out to get help, that's also not a sign of failure. That's actually in my part, a sign of strength. And one of the big things that I will always say to parents is that in order to be able to parent your children well, you've got to look after yourself. Like if you're not looking after yourself and, and being mindful and aware of, of what you're doing and, 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 and where you're at at a mental health point of view, either in, even at a physical health point of view, then you, can't, then you can't look after your children as well. So it's very important to, to reach out. And, and that's another thing that I will always talk to couples about, um, particularly when I'm educating them in their pregnancy, is to really gather their support team ahead of time. So it's not about looking at what supports are available to you when, when you're in crisis or even when you're feeling you're needing that right now, but actually just start doing their research now to see what is actually available to them if certain things arise um, and, and having that support around them. Because if even just the idea of going into that space with that support is often a fantastic prevention me method because they know what's out there and so they feel much more relaxed. Yeah, absolutely. And look, just signing up to Ready to Cope and getting that reinforcing information um, is, is doing that on a, uh, a weekly basis mm. just to let people know, checking in, um, things to be aware of. But if, things, if this is the case or if this happens to you, this is what's available and you're not alone. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I guess finally, Nicole, what do you see the future of COPE is like? What are, what are your goals and wishes for the organisation that you have created? And, and, and what are your goals for couples who come into that organisation? Uh, well, we'd like um, every expectant new parent to have access to that um, timely quality information through the Ready to Cope guide. Um, and because we know that that 
just makes people it is making people feel more empowered and supported throughout their journey. Mm -hmm. And for those who do struggle at times, it um, it has helped them get help earlier. So that would be the first thing. The second thing I would um, really like to see in the future is that routine universal screening is as universal as diabetes testing in pregnancy or, you know, um, ultrasound appointments. We wouldn't consider not doing those standard health checks, but unfortunately mental health often um, gets missed. And this varies so much from the different states and territories. So we've got a long way to go with national reform in this area. And even the fact that, you know, we wouldn't consider more broadly stopping breast cancer screening or cervical cancer screening, the fact that we have to advocate um, the government to um, support putting screening in place um, at every election cycle is crazy. It, it should just be part of the health landscape, given the impacts and the co how common these conditions are and the devastating impacts, not only in the short term, but the longer term to individuals and families. So universal routine screening would be the next one. Um, access to education and training through, um, obviously we've got some programs there, but there's still a lot of areas that we do think people do need more education and training in. Um, one area, for example, would be birth trauma. I think that's a really, um, an area that not a lot of health professionals have expertise in. Um, and so that's just, that's just one example. So that would be a, another major area. And of course, continuing to populate the ECOPE directory. So as professionals at the front line, when we do identify someone at risk or who might be struggling, we've got some confidence about where we're referring them. And up until um, now, it's really just been, you know, midwives or maternal and child health nurses or GPs have their own little lists of pen and paper with um, different providers that they've heard about or they might not know about or they, um, so having some confidence in our referral pathways and having um, that really strong e-directory to continue to be providing a good referral source. For us, that sort of creates a, really addresses the gaps in the perinatal landscape to make sure we're catching the most vulnerable, um, making these available and resources available in multiple languages and particularly for at-risk populations. Um, is also obviously critical because we know that those populations are particularly at risk and often they're not offered screening and there's no specific referral services. So making sure that we're scoping those and making sure they have access is um, absolutely vital as well. Yeah, great. Well, it certainly sounds like you're, you're well and truly on your way to doing that and you're doing some incredible work in, in really helping to improve our rates of postnatal um, depression and anxiety disorders and even and perinatal really uh, the whole gamut across pregnancy and that first 12 months of life so thank you for all the amazing work that you're doing Nicole and thank you also for joining us on our podcast today thanks so much for the opportunity